Um, there is no video today. I just realized that I should have let my dogs out before I started this because I don't want them to start barking during the podcast because that happened last time and it was really embarrassing. So give me like one second. Okay, I'm sorry. I know it was a second. I'm sorry. I should have said longer. Thank G. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Thank you for the two months. Taja, thank you for the three months earlier. Um, Alligator podcast. Who's ready? Who's excited? I'm so excited. Alligators are so cool. Um, today, we're talking to Laura Kojima. She's a herpetologist. She studies um, alligators. She studies, she studies ecotoxicology, which is what I mentioned um, on the last IRL. Ecotoxicology being... Botox. Botox! Spoon! Wait. Ba, thank you for the Twitch Prime. Spoon with $20. Spoon said for the crocogators. Alright, we have some stuff to, to work on together. But thank you for the $20. Botox? Absolutely ridiculous. Um all the time. Just thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So Laura is a herpetologist. She studies ecotoxicology, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's, uh, kind of like an integration of ecology and toxicology. Cindy with $5. Thank you so much. Um, so it's, it's the study of how toxic chemicals, um, are, are affecting biological organisms, but we'll have her explain more of that. She specifically studies alligators. Why am I having alligators? Greek! How are you? I just called you Greek. That's kind of weird. Um, green. What's up? I miss you. Um, okay, so if you guys are familiar with alligators, you'll know that uh, right now American alligators are of least concern, according to the IUCN Red List. Um, they're doing really, they're actually thriving. Um, however, at one point, they were listed as endangered. They were put uh, under protection under the Endangered Species Act, and they have a really, really, really cool conservation story thanks to federal protections, habitat, federal and state protections, habitat protection, and a decrease in the demand for alligator products. Not only were they saved from the brink of extinction, but they were brought back and are now thriving. Han, thank you for the $77. What the heck? $77 and 77 Seven, two hundred and two dollars and seventy-seven cents. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so is the mic quiet? Danny, you think the mic is quiet? Does anyone else think the mic is quiet? Green. Thank you so much. I'll turn the mic up a little bit. Thank you so much for the 20 subs. That's so nice. Um, yeah, maybe I just, I don't know, I have to talk towards the mic. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so like I was saying, alligators have a really, really cool conservation success story. And I thought that it would be really cool to highlight on the podcast because it's a conservation podcast with a thousand bits. <laughs> I agree. Thank you for the bits. 
Um, Zet with the 40 bits, thank you. Um, Josh with $18.77, beautiful, thank you so much. So speaking of the donations, all the generosity today, we're raising money for partners in, in amphibian and reptile conservation. That's the organization that Laura selected. Um, it's an inclusive partnership dedicated to the conservation of reptiles and amphibians. Um, so it's a collection of individuals from state and federal agencies, conservation organizations, museums, the pet trade industry, nature centers, zoos, the energy industry, universities, herpetological organizations, research laboratories, forest industries, and environmental consultants, and others. Um, Warren. Warren with a hundred dollars. Okay, a hundred more dollars going to partners in amphibian and reptile conservation. The amount of people, the amount of individuals they have as members of this organization makes them the most comprehensive conservation effort ever undertaken for uh, reptiles and amphibians. So your donations are going there today. Um, their mission is forging proactive partnerships to conserve amphibians, reptiles, and the places they live. Um, so they do a lot of really powerful work there. We'll talk to Laura today about uh, more about why she chose this organization. Um, there's free membership to the organization. That's part of why she chose it, and I, I think she'll talk about that as well today. Other announcements for the podcast. If you have questions, which I know you do and you should because alligators are so interesting, um, you can do hashtag ask and then followed by your question. It'll go into a live doc where I can read those questions. Voyage, thank you for the $20. Um, and health with $7.77. Classic. Thank you so much. Um, so if you have questions, you can do hashtag ask, followed by a question. I will see those questions. I will read them to Laura throughout the, throughout the podcast. Um, I won't get to all of them, but I'll try to get to, uh, to the major categories of them. Um, so you can do that. Um... There is a quiz at the end of the podcast. If you guys haven't been here before, which I, most of you have, um, there is a quiz. It's a five-question quiz at the end of the podcast. You get 20 seconds per question. The questions are all based on the conversation that I have with Laura today. Uh, so it's the way the quiz works is if whoever gets the most questions right the fastest um, gets the wins the quiz. If you win the quiz, if you're not already a sub to my channel, I will gift you a sub to my channel. If you are already a sub to my channel, I will either gift you a sub to a channel of your choice, whoever's channel you want, or um, you can ask me to donate an additional $5 to uh, Partners in Amphibian and Reptile Conservation today. Yo, thank you for the $5. People club. So yeah, any questions you have, go ahead and do a hashtag ask. Get ready for the quiz at the end of the podcast. We have Chuck today helping me write quiz questions. Thank you so much to Chuck um, for doing that. It makes my life so much easier. Um, so people claps for Chuck. People claps for Will for making the screens every week. They're wonderful. The guests love them so much. It makes for such a professional, wonderful uh, experience for them. And I really appreciate that. Locke for doing the bots every week uh, and the commands. Um, Tara for being Tara, Danny for being Danny. That's my team. Couldn't do it without them. Thank you, guys. SMK with $20, Anonymous with $10. We're at $384.31 for Park before I've called Laura. Um, SGT, thank you for the four months. All right. I think that's all I have to say. I think we're ready to go. Um, 
I'm gonna go ahead and call her up. Am I missing anything? Tell me if I am. You can do command guest if you want to get to Laura's socials. If you want to follow her on Instagram, Twitter, you can do command org if you want to read more about Park, okay? Tar, thank you for the $10. <laughs> we'll, we'll answer some of these questions today on the podcast. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'll see you guys in just a minute. Cakes with $10. Thank you so much. is working oh wrong one. Oh no wrong one okay <laughs> guys everything was going so well i just messed that up yeah no i messed it up every single week <laughs> um path thank you for the 15 dollars we're at 519 dollars um raised so far for wow for just awesome. in the intro but hello thank you so much for for coming on today everybody this is laura um, I did a Hello. short introduction of, of what you study and of, of Park, but if you want to do your own introduction, that would be great. Okay, cool. So I'm Laura. I'm a first-year graduate student with the University of Georgia, and in short, my research is looking at alligator ecotoxicology and movement, and so I'm currently getting biological samples from alligators and looking at their mercury loads in blood and in tail muscle. In addition, I'm putting GPS transmitters on these alligators to look at how they can potentially move contaminants in and out of a contaminated site, which is my study site. And I'm gonna be seeing whether or not hunters are at risk by consuming these animals. So we wanna get data that looks at if the alligators are moving from the site to um, hunting grounds through a little stream channel that they're able to go through. And so it's just basically a lot of hands-on alligator wrestling. And no kidding. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, it's a lot of fun. It's a very quick process. We use traps to get these animals. So we set the traps out around noon until the afternoon. And then we wait a few hours and go out at night. So all this is done at nighttime. Basically, we're on an airboat shining these traps and wow. just trying to see what we can get through trapping and through a snare method, which is basically like a 
wire lasso is the best way I can explain it yeah. so it's just a lot of like alligator rodeo that's going on that sounds insane I was when you were saying like you were tagging <laughs> them I was like how on earth do they tag gators that's crazy oh okay do you want me to explain that sure yeah I can I can kind of go into a little bit of detail um so, of course, all this is completely approved and sanitary, sterile, because it is a surgery. We use these wires on. Actually, I have a GPS transmitter if you want to see what it that looks would be like. Great. Yeah. I keep them on my person because they're quite expensive. Um, so we have these little transmitters right here. Uh -huh. So they're not too big. They are probably the size of like two small eggs and they have um little holes that go through them and we use a wire and that just is what we use to attach to the alligator but it is a surgical process so we basically have sanitary gloves all the cleaning supplies you need possible and once we have an alligator on land or on the boat what we do is um have two incisions in the animal that we're able to put a customized needle through. We siphon like the wire through the needle and then use that wire to loop it around the transmitter. So it's a very wow. strange, it was a weird thing to learn how to do, but it's very cool and thankfully safe. We give the animals painkillers so they're not yeah, disturbed. Yeah, I was gonna ask, do you, need to, do you sedate while you're doing that? No, we just restrain them and then use lidocaine, which basically is a um, like, it, we have an anti-inflammatory we give them after and then lidocaine just kind of pain relief so they don't really flinch or anything during the process they're really still but we have to have like two to three people restraining them right. um during it i'm kind of my advisor is the one who's a pro at putting the transmitters on and mm -hmm. he has steadier hands than me so he kind of does more of the hands-on stuff and then i give him the supplies like i i know how to do it i just would rather not right <laughs> that makes sense okay we got a bunch of donations while you're explaining that so ray with ten dollars wow. cloud with five dollars snake with ten josh with three um path i think i already said you're 15 thank you so much um, Thank you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going super fast. We're at five hundred and forty-seven dollars. Wow. Um, for for partners in amphibian and reptile conservation, can you tell us why you chose that organization? What that means to you? So I really like Park because it's a nonprofit and it's free. A lot of the herp societies, which herps herpetology is the study of reptiles and amphibians not mm. herpes um, <laughs> Thank you. people ask me that a lot um anyways they are pretty awesome because they have a lot of resources that I use personally during undergrad so I didn't know whether or not I wanted to do um, a job right away or graduate school and they have listings for both and it is specific to herps which is nice because there's other wildlife forums that you can use and just different job boards, but it's more um, just general, whereas this is nice if you do want to focus on just herpetology. And on top of that, other societies tend to be really expensive to join. So it's nice having this um, organization as like a free kind of thing to be part of and you still get updates they're really active on social media they have an entire twitter that is um called herpetology with a l l um and it is dedicated towards highlighting inclusive like basically different types of people in the field mm -hmm. and which i just really appreciate that they were kind of 
on that bandwagon before it even, you know, politically had became a big thing recently. So it's just an overall like good organization and it's very accessible to all sorts of people interested in the field. Cool. Good. Um, potato tip $5 said for the Yeah, thanks dogs. potato. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Um, okay. So one of the things that I said in the intro before I get to all of these questions, there are an absurd amount of questions um, okay. already, okay. which is we, we never get to all of them. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, so the, one of the things I said in the intro was alligators used to be, um, they used to be near extinct or they were, they were struggling. A lot. Yeah. Um, and then they had a comeback, which is really cool to talk about because we don't get all that much conservation optimism on this podcast. It's usually pretty sad, the stuff yeah. that we talk about. So I thought it'd be really cool to highlight. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened? So basically throughout the 19th and 20th century, when America was just getting really spread out, colonized, alligators kind of just got wiped out real fast because of hunting and um, accessories. People wanted alligators just to even have when, um, as like a purse, boots, anything you can think of, the ribs and tail tend to be consumed. So it just was pretty devastating when the population started getting uh, like declining just so significantly. And it wasn't until I believe 1960s. So keep in mind, this was like 1860, basically the animal population declined 80% in like a hundred years. And so come the 1960s, um, the environmental policies were being implemented towards saving them. I don't actually have it written down. I can look at the specific one that did it yeah so um the espa mm-hmm. which is just basically the environmental I think, species preservation act yeah. <laughs> um in 1967 got implemented into listing these animals and saying like no more hunting so hun- recreational hunting wasn't allowed anymore um the habitat restoration actually started happening just to kind of uh you know facilitate these animals having this bounce back and thankfully they are pretty widespread I believe they're in like 10 um, states so they have a lot of distribution and because of that they had accessibility to different types of habitats but after I think just a couple of years they started bouncing back really quickly and I really think hunting and just people coming in were a huge thing because of habitat destruction but alligators lay clutches up to 30 to 50 eggs granted their survival rate when they're first hatch is super low which is why they rely on their mothers to protect them for the first year to two years but um, I think because they are able to produce at such big rates mm-hmm. that or basically produce such big clutches and if those clutches are successfully um like preserved and even kept in a captive environment it could really it gave room for these animals to have this type of bounce back That's so awesome. yeah alligators are still listed as threatened by appearance because of american crocodiles which are uh, i believe they're threatened in okay. the u.s um, yeah Leonard, thank you for the $17 and 77 or 76 cents um <laughs> There was a question that was donated earlier that I wanted to read out to because those questions okay. get priority. Um, Path asked, how big of a role do you think Steve Irwin has had in the conservation of alligators? Oh, I think 
I know like alligators and crocodiles are definitely very charismatic species and it helps that he made them look, you know, like cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's my best way of putting it is he definitely helped a lot with the charisma of these animals and just his name being known as the crocodile hunter made a huge difference. Granted, like alligators are just now a tourism trap in certain states. I'm guilty of it too. I've been to Louisiana twice and wanted to go on a gator tour. So I think because of seeing him on TV and how his interactions with these big animals and making them, you know, making it very apparent that, yeah, they're dangerous. Don't just mess around with them for fun, but also look at how magnificent they are. Definitely played its part in kind of prioritizing um, crocodiles and alligators. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, okay, yeah, thanks. another question that I can't even imagine how many times you've answered in your life, <laughs> but everyone has it. Max has asked, what are the main differences between alligators and crocodiles, since people confuse them all the time? Oh, no, this is a great question. So I actually was joking to one of my friends, like the most, this is my go-to, but also I'm kind of biased because I've seen a lot of alligators. Um, I'll Basically, the number one thing is alligators have a U-shaped snout, whereas crocodilians have more of a V-shape. That's kind of the best giveaway. And then the second thing is crocodiles, like they do look more scary. Their teeth are more visible. Their fourth upper jaw tooth um, shows, whereas on alligators, it's not. Um, And with alligators they have a overbite is what i usually go by all their bottom teeth are um, underneath they're and covered mm-hmm. but with crocodiles you can see all their teeth so basically if you see a lot of teeth on an animal and it has a narrow narrower snout that's um it's typically a crocodile and another major thing is crocodiles get significantly bigger than alligators alligators are like small and less timid intimidating compared to crocodiles what is the size difference between the two um i'm gonna go based off of american alligator and american crocodile just because there is a lot of variability but the like the biggest alligator can be up to a thousand pounds whereas the biggest crocodile can be two thousand and yeah and the biggest alligator i have seen Keep in mind, he had a docked tail from a previous injury. They're uh-huh. very, males are very aggressive with each other. And you can calculate how long he's supposed to be based on his like snout to his um, vent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just times that by two. He would have been 12.7 feet. Oh whereas gosh. like, and that's kind of like average for a crocodile. Crocodiles can get to like 15 feet, I believe. Wow. You guys, yeah, they, they've met my horse on stream. You guys, my horse is 1,100 pounds. <laughs> just, for, <laughs> just for like a reference. That's uh, insane. Yeah, they can get really, really big. They're they're heavy too. <laughs> we have to pull these yeah, animals no from what? the water to land. Oh my God. It, I like swear, field work is sedi- a- Like with them thrashing too. That's Yeah, thankfully they'll, their reaction is to just pull back or wow. just sit still. Like they're such scaredy cats for the most time that like most part, they're pretty scary. Only once or twice have they kind of like pissed and been dramatic. Um, but also my traps wear them out a little bit. I think they get freaked out once they're in the trap and they have a lot of slack. The traps are very humane. Like they get a big piece of chicken and they're just stuck to kind of a, a it's basically like a leash, mm-hmm. but they freak out because they're being restrained. So 
they um, splash around in the water. Like, if it looks like there was a massacre, um, that's how I know there was an alligator in my trap. Okay, <laughs> got it. But, yeah, but the ones that we get from the water onto the boat are definitely the ones that have a bit more spunk to them, and they kind of put up a fight a little bit. That's crazy. Um, a few more donations. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, Anonymous with $2, Hipster $10, Hipster with a sub, Snake with $10, and Cosmo with a sub. Thank you. Um, Thanks, guys. $592. You guys are nuts. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so let's see. More questions that we have. Probably also a question that you've gotten quite a bit. Um, Kelpie asked, how dangerous are alligators? Are they as dangerous as people make them seem? I would always say it's safe to presume they're very dangerous. Their jaw force, I wish I knew it off the top of my head, but I know it's, oh, they can break steel. That's how strong they really? are. So a baby one, if it bites you, it can crack your nail. And it's happened to quite a few people because we have um, one of the grad students in my lab who's amazing, works with hatchlings, and she's told us of injuries she's seen with it's the a, babies. Google says 2,125 PSI. So strong. That's, that's, that's <laughs> absurd. I think it was Connor yeah. Connor from American Eagle Foundation told us like if you close your hand as hard as you can, it's like max seven if you're like a grown man. Oh if you like squeeze your hand together as hard as you can in a fist. Um so that's insane. I, I can imagine. Yeah, they're so just overall physically strong when we've had even ones that are probably this big, three footers. We have to make sure we properly restrain them because we do take blood and um, they're they're squirming, even if they're little. It's just it's so impressive how strong these animals are. And because of that, the second they start rolling, they're like a threat. (laughs) Um, If they have you in your if you get bit by one and they roll, you lose your hand. Like, that's just it. So Um, rolling is like it's it's just it's mechanical. It's a way of tearing. Yes. Or well, for them, it's just their complete defensive mechanism. Because even when we pass by one on a boat, the reaction is to like roll and dive in the water. Oh, weird. (laughs) If they're in the water. Yeah, they just, I think their automatic reaction to any type of threat from what I've noticed, I don't know if this is like scientifically proven, this is just purely observational, is their reaction is to roll. um, Because they, I don't, they think that's like their way of get restraining a predator and getting away from threat but yeah they are extremely dangerous i know there's videos and memes of people just holding one up in the air but Mm -hmm. if you get it and like they're reptiles so if they're not charged up is what i like to call it maybe you'll get lucky and not get your face bitten off but it's not worth it because they are physically super strong and the second that mouth gets you like if you don't know what to do you're done for yeah chat don't do that <laughs> don't, yes don't, don't. Go up like, a, like a puppy um okay but guy guy did ask um what is the best approach if you stumble on an alligator while swimming while swimming oh god don't, <laughs> don't uh, yeah don't if you are out and you see something that looks like a log just go the other way to mm-hmm. track they they can swim really fast I mean a lot of the times I see them just kind of floating along they look funny when they swim as curious as you want to get seeing an alligator just try to go the other way and detract any potential attention from yourself just get the heck out of there it's not worth 
even trying to think about what should I do, just escape. Like your flea instinct will kick in and you'll get out of there. I don't think unless you physically go up and harass this animal, I don't think it will pursue you. Um, but you never know. Yeah. So I just I'm I'm not gonna make any promises on that. Right. But <laughs> okay, I'd cool. rather be safe than sorry. That makes sense. Um, okay, SMK asked an interesting question. He asked, how have alligators survived so long as a species? They're, like, prehistoric, even just to look at from the uneducated eye. They look like dinosaurs. Oh, 100%. I think they finished evolving, like, and maybe double-check this, my like, 80 million years ago or something. Like, just oh something God. really insane. They were done evolving. And honestly, that just comes down to, I'm no evolutionary biologist, but it just comes to down to the fact that they were just fit as a species and they've continued to be fit i think um they have temperature sex determination mm-hmm. so basically uh after a certain uh degree fahrenheit they go from males to females and um i think i believe they do female at a cooler temperature then they'll get to males in the middle and then after an extreme they'll go back to being females and so I think however the climate of the earth had changed, it definitely didn't impact their clutches and it helped. they've just basically have been able to survive throughout the different changes that have happened with earth and able to adapt. I don't know, crocodilians are insane. Yeah, but... I looked, uh, so National Geographic says the first alligator ancestors evolved some 245 million years ago <laughs> and then 80 million years ago was crocodilians. Yeah. Yeah. Just... So that it's just crazy. They basically were like a good finishing product that were fine um up until like obviously even this point in life they have been able to thrive given our current like climate conditions and everything. Right. Um so, yeah. Cool. Okay. Hobbit asked so Hobbit asked, when did you get involved with amphibians and reptiles? And then I'm curious as to how you got involved with ecotoxicology. Because I didn't know anything about it until I started looking into your socials. Okay, so um yeah, I'll give a little background on myself. I've always been really interested in animals and I like would watch a crocodile hunter and Zabumafu a lot mm-hmm. as a kid. I love Zabumafu. And right. No one ever talks about that show. <laughs> But I, so I always knew I wanted to do something with animals and growing up, the only thing I ever was exposed to was like veterinary sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a little nature preserve near my apartment growing up. And so my mom would take me there a lot. And I think that helped with my exposure. And I, I noticed early on, like reptiles never really freaked me out. I think my mom was really good at not making them seem scary to me because oh, I have I three pet snakes now. <laughs> my mom is <was laughs> yeah, like terrified she, of everything. Yeah. I, I'm really surprised because my um, my step parents and my dad are not a huge fan of reptiles, but I've definitely have helped desensitize. But I have always loved them. My brother's super into them too. So I have three snakes. He has three lizards. Like it's just it must be a family thing and my mom has always been fine holding them and being okay with them but in undergrad I was still pre-vet and I ended up taking an internship during summer that was with a herpetologist DVM so he had um, exotic animals as his like focus and a lot of tortoises snakes and lizards would come in and I just had such a blast 
And so during undergrad, I was like, I need to get more involved with herps. And I was involved with the herpetology lab on campus doing turtle research on Western palm turtles, which are one of two turtle species in California. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, like native California. turtle species. That's, oh, nice. Yeah, I grew Me up too. <laughs> what part? Um, I went to school in San Luis Obispo. So okay. like Central Coast. Yeah, I went. I'm from San Diego, but went to school at UC Davis. Oh, no. Sorry for the tangent, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that made me realize that I didn't want to do vet sciences. I liked research and really enjoyed it and just Mm -hmm. really liked being with um, herps. And so from there, I got some involvement with uh, the giant garter snake grad student on campus. And she had a bunch of like hatchlings that she needed help taking care of. So it was kind of a husbandry component but it was still good like hands-on experience and because of that I got a job through USGS doing um, hatchling or just full-on giant garter snake work research which was really awesome because that job was really hard to get (laughs) so I I had these basically this is my number one advice anyone who wants to pursue wildlife biology like make connections it really comes down to who you know and um I think that helped a lot because it is a super competitive field but after that um towards the end of the season I applied to my graduate program and was just like wow alligators ecotoxicology because I was new to ecotox also Mm -hmm. and I was just like this project sounds so cool because not only does it incorporate conservation but it incorporates um the human aspect of it like and which I thought was pretty neat tying in like you know hunters into this project and the risk implications that could come with consumption so Mm -hmm. That's basically just how I got involved in it. I didn't really know much about EcoTox, but I'm the type of person that I kind of wanted to get out of my comfort zone and learn something new. And um, I figured like with not having an EcoTox background, it would be neat to start um, growing one through this, this master's program. Got it. Cool. Um, sweaty tipped $50, flight was $7.93, and Ben with $10, $660, thank you guys wow. so yeah, much. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Those donations are ridiculous, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I showed the pictures of the, the pond turtle and the giant garter snake there. <laughs> so nice, thanks, um, yes. Okay, so you said what ecotoxicology was at the beginning, but can you tell us a little bit more about it? So you study mercury? And what else? Yes. So I'm basically right now just looking at mercury loads in the alligators just because um, that's the most like prevalent. Basically, there's a lot of literature research on it and it's the more like concerning uh, contaminant for consumption of anything that's like an aquatic animal Mm -hmm. because I'm sure everyone's heard like be careful of mercury in your fish or catfish or something. Yeah. So depending on my funding I would like to look at other contaminants too but um that just kind of depends on like grants and I plan on TAing next spring so I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that that could help go into the um looking at different potential toxins in these animals but ecotoxicology is basically the impact of toxic substances on the environment and so this includes animals within the environment 
And the neat thing about crocodilians is that they are apex predators, which means they're at the top of the food chain. They are um, strictly carnivores. Granted, they will eat, I think, anything depending on how heavy they are (laughs) and how hungry they are. But um, because of that, they're also kind of at risk to the threats of um, toxins in their environment. And so with alligators... Um, they're really susceptible to bioaccumulate, which means um, as different contaminants go up in the um, food chain, they are consuming something. They're basically more likely to keep consuming that toxin because they are long lived and oh. they're carnivores. So like a piece of plankton, a little plankton won't bioaccumulate nearly as much as an alligator. Right. And if there is a better, clearer way that Google might have to explain that, please. No, that, I mean, that makes sense it. to me, chat. Okay. I just want to make sure they understand because it is a weird thing because there's also biomagnification, which is, um, so bioaccumulation is, pertains towards the individual, whereas biomagnification just is like throughout different trophic levels. So um, alligators are, are going to have biomagnified more contaminants than a plankton would have because they are eating throughout the um the food they're eating the top of the food chain you know so like a fish eats a plankton a bigger fish eats that fish that's eaten the plankton the alligator eats that fish so they have biomagnified through those trophic levels but also have bioaccumulated as an individual (laughs) that does make sense guys it's it's similar to what we talked about with when we had that microplastics conversation and how like little fish eat the microplastic yeah space and then the birds eat the microplastics and it, the plastic doesn't go anywhere right but it works its way up i, I think that yeah. does make sense sorry if i sound like i'm just blabbering not at all no that was, that was <laughs> um dan tip 25 dollars. dan thank you ben i think i already said thank, thank you, you for the, the 10 685 dollars. thank you guys so much um so you said they're at the top of the food chains uh tripod asked a while ago do alligators fall under being an umbrella or a keystone species? I think they're a keystone species. I am not 100% sure because to be honest, a lot of my literature research is on ecotoxicology recently, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I have a good idea of the animal I'm studying. Um, But from what I've read, they are a keystone species just because if they were taken out of the um, food chain, one, they are prey as hatchlings to a lot of animals, birds, raccoons, other like carnivores or egg eaters um and then on top of that they do help maintain like fish populations and all that jazz because of how much they are capable of eating right cool uh street thank you for the 20 dollars um do you guys know what a keystone species is we've talked about it before but just to check got a yes Yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> great. Um, okay, so speaking of keystone species, Protech asked, what is the niche that alligators fill in their ecosystem? So you said that they can eat, consume a lot. Yes. Okay. So on. I have another grad student in my lab, Kristen, if you're watching this, hi. <laughs> um, and uh, she is looking at stomach contents in relation to contaminants. And she's actually found that a lot of the things that they eat um, throughout all life stages, they consume a lot of bugs. And really? But she's not sure if it's just byproduct of other things they're consuming. Yeah. But um, they 
basically their like role is as that top predator. So they through that they fulfill their role as a keystone species, kind of moderating um, certain animals in their environment, and they're capable of eating aquatically and terrestrially. Um, I'm not too sure what my alligators have been eating. All I know is they eat a lot because they're really fat. <laughs> okay. How much land do they spend on time versus in water? You said terrestrially. Oh, that's a good question. I think um, from what I've seen, they spend a lot of time on water. It really depends on the weather, but mm-hmm. they tend to be very aquatic. I think when they're resting, though, is when they'll go on land and they'll go deep into land because my transmitter animals sometimes I won't receive a point from them forever and they'll um it's because they're in some deep brush but they also brumate which is like the reptile version of hibernating except oh they gosh. don't go into this a is, deep sleep. I hadn't thought about this until now please talk about it it's the coolest thing ever <laughs> so reptiles they're over winter and um they go through their own hibernation except they're still awake they're just their metabolism is just like so so slow so that's why brumating is different from hibernating because during hibernation, they're actually in a deep sleep, whereas reptiles just basically like kind of just don't move um, for a few months until about spring. So I've seen, at least in my snakes personally, they will go without eating from November to April. Mm-hmm. And it's basically about the same for alligators. They kind of get more motivated to move once it starts warming up because the mating season will begin around, I think, May, June-ish. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but <know>. yeah. It, <laughs> You're fine. I'm like, you have Google. So it's but um, but yeah, it's really neat that they can go through this because it's just very energetically efficient mm-hmm. since a lot of ectotherms will end up just kind of shutting down during the winter months when it's colder and they don't have heat to be their little battery. Do you guys know ectotherms and endotherms? Do you know the difference? Maybe not. I'm not sure. I don't know if we've talked about that before. Okay, so... Ectotherms are, this isn't technically correct, but this is the easiest way to explain it, is they're cold-blooded, which they're never—they're not actually cold-blooded because their blood gets warm mm-hmm. from any source of heat, but they basically rely on their environment to moderate their metabolism and in order to just be active and functioning. So if a ectotherm hasn't been exposed to warmth in a while, they likely will not be able to flee from prey. They'll be more vulnerable because they're not, as I like to say, charged up mm-hmm. and they will not be able to eat because they their metabolism will be so slowed down that they can't efficient, efficiently digest their food. Whereas endotherms like us, so mammals and birds are endo, endotherms, um, we are have like a constant metabolism that is a unless we are in like obviously very severe conditions we're able to keep functioning and metabolizing without relying on our external environment yeah guys alligators being ectotherms the brumating it can happen when the like it's frozen like when the pond yes, they is can frozen stick their their noses out of frozen this. water just to to just like have their breathing be fine everything it's so cool do you know how long they can do this for i don't remember i'm not sure i know i think i read something that said like they do have to move a little bit here and there or they can die but um 
also you don't want them to be like too vulnerable because they could freeze their noses and end up killing themselves right. but um yeah i'm not too sure how long they can go doing the frozen nose thing sorry that's guys crazy that that can happen like the first time i learned about that it blew my mind that's so cool right yeah that's nuts um okay here's a good question i like asking guests this a uh, guy asked are there any common myths or misconceptions that you would like to debunk about alligators no alligators over 14 feet and even then that is so rare yeah we have heard people say oh I've seen that 18 foot alligator I'm mm-hmm. like no <laughs> <laughs> and there's this movie that's out called crawl of course I had to see it because it was about Everglades alligators I haven't heard of it. and let me just tell you I the entire time was just ranting about everything that was wrong because one alligators in the Everglades are not that big Florida is just Florida, so the animals are very small because of lack of habitat and contaminants Mm -hmm. that are in um, the Everglades, and there's just like, these animals aren't able to get as big as they probably could be, and so in this movie, the animals were huge, they were the size of crocodiles, and they kept pursuing um, people to hunt, which, like I kind of mentioned earlier, they're not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Literally. So that that's basically my number one tidbit is if you want accuracy on alligators, do not watch crawl. Right. Okay. Good. There you go. <laughs> that's good info. I hadn't yes. heard of that movie at all, but it sounds terrible. It's like a Sharknado. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, a, a hurricane brings in alligators in the movie. We had a shark guy on a, a while ago, Dr. David Schiffman, and he, mm-hmm. he talked about the, the cinema quite a bit. Sharks have really gotten the short end of the stick in, in cinema. Oh, it's, it's I'm bad. sure. Um, Botox with $94.99. Thank you. After a $100 donation earlier, Botox. Wow. Thank you so much. Your that followers us, rock. They're insane. It brought us to $800. Um, thank you so much. That's amazing. Yes. Um, okay. A couple more questions I think we may have time for. Um, Semaj asks, outside of reptiles and amphibians, do you have interest in other animal families? Um, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> but not as, be- not as intensely as um, reptiles and amphibians. I definitely have become a bit of a specialist. Um, I find fish fascinating and always appreciate mammals. I'm not a huge bird person. I'm sorry, my. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. That's okay. <laughs> my my all my friends from undergrad were huge into birds and they hated me for it. They're like, well, now you study alligators and they're close. Tree stop. But I can. <laughs> I I appreciate all animals. I think for me, I'm really weird about noises. I don't know why. Then it's I just a weird like quirk. <laughs> So I love um, anything but passerines. Mm. <laughs> Just basically songbirds kind of drive me a little nuts, but I love birds of prey. I think they're so cool. And then certain shorebirds that look like dinosaurs, mainly pelicans, yeah. um, are just really awesome. But yeah. I saw, I, I saw a baby cattle egret oh, not long ago or photos of it. And it was uh-huh. like the most dinosaur looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Right. Like, apart oh, from for dinosaur sure. Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm so I do cool. I do wildlife rehabilitation. So we have a bunch of mm-hmm. uh passerine fledglings and nestlings and they are 
absurdly loud and annoying. I totally get it. I bet. But yeah, I I love, I mean, I feel like mammals are just obviously super charismatic and I definitely just, I appreciate all other taxon, but I would say I'm very passionate about reptiles and amphibians, but definitely a little biased towards reptiles. Got it. Um, I don't see a question that's quite relating to what I have in my head right now, but um, one of the things that we talk about on the podcast a lot is how there are lots of species that get a lot more attention. Um, Mm -hmm. Danny, thank you for the $12. Um, that are the more, well, alligators are super charismatic, but the megafauna and like polar bears and, um, pandas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think that we can do to get reptiles and amphibians and stuff like that more attention? Because I know that they're left out of conservation uh, conversations a lot. Oh, I definitely agree. I think just, I know social media has done a really huge part on like desensitizing people. And I think it ultimately comes down to desensitizing. I think a lot of like animal planet discovery channel shows exploit these animals a lot and make them uh, look dangerous and scary. They exploit venomous snakes in particular and venomous snakes really are just like, they're, they're so scared. Like it's really sad to me to see how like scared snakes, can be especially because um it's just people act like they'll chase you they'll uh proactively try to strike you but the only way they'll like typically be defensive is if you're bothering them and in my experience yeah a hundred percent and in my experience the most like scary reptiles have been the ones that aren't venomous like so snakes that I've like tried to grab are usually the more skittish like I will bite you type Mm -hmm. uh animals I personally don't like handling venomous snakes unless I'm like with a person who 110% knows what they're doing and I've removed venomous snakes from the road using a snake hook and I keep my distance and make sure that I'm like completely safe my feet aren't near them because they can strike far but for the most part I think just exposure and awareness kind of sharing like look these animals aren't um as dangerous as you think they would be unless you're proactively trying to harass them and so I know frogs get a lot of love because of their um like bacteria the fungus that is going around wiping them out which is like really awesome but there's also a thing called snake fungal disease and it sucks that there's not as much awareness behind it because one, I mean, it's not as widespread, but two, just people really don't like snakes. Mm-hmm. And um, I ultimately think it needs to come down to just one desensitizing. And that could honestly start as early as elementary school doing like local, what are some local species we'll see around our um, community type exposure and two just in the media stop portraying these animals as like terrifying or creepy or weird because right. literally the root um for herp means weird <laughs> and so I, I think yeah it's either in Greek or Latin but I know I think it's either herpe or herp is like weird creepy uh-huh. and that doesn't really help the cause yeah that's weird. <laughs> all these animals are being classified as like ew <laughs> Yeah, that sucks. Wait, okay, I learned about this the other day. This might get a little depressing. Have you heard of the Sweetwater Roundup? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh. I, I had no idea what it was until two days ago. I learned from my coworker because yeah. I just moved to Texas. Do you guys mm-hmm. know what this is? 
It's like the most disgusting, insane, like, collection of I I only I've learned ever... about it this year, and I was like, what the, like, how has this been able to go on for I don't know. so long? I don't know how it's legal. Okay, guys, so basically, I, and I need to do more research, because I've been meaning to talk about this on stream, but I want to do more research first, but here we are. <laughs> so it's, yeah. a, it's basically like a giant culling, I think, of rattlesnakes in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, people go and they they trap snakes and they bring them to this like stadium almost and put all of them in one place. And like, you can't see the ground. It's just like, just snakes, just like on top of each other. And then they like, they take the snakes out. They like skin them alive. There's pictures of, they have kids. They have like buckets of blood because they're skinning snakes and they'll have the kids dip their hands in it and put like handprints on the wall. I like, could not when she was telling me I was like there's no way this is still happening yeah the fact that they they'll get these live snakes and they basically torture them so kids can pose with them they'll stitch their mouths closed um and they'll I forgot about that part yeah and they'll um make them inject their venom like just for display and Mm -hmm. then at the end of this they kill all the rattlesnakes right granted this species of rattlesnakes that they round up aren't necessarily like of concern but it's still it's detrimental to the environment rattlesnakes feed on rodents and so in a way they're kind of um gonna allow like influx of rodents into their areas and people are worried that they're gonna bite their cattle this this and that and I'm like they're unless the cattle steps on the animal the animal will probably slither away there's a good chance and I get they you know come and hide underneath houses and stuff but they were there first (laughs) and there's no need to torture and exploit the animal there's so much new development in Texas you think it'd be easy to say like everyone's like why are these animals here it's like why are you <laughs> hello like it's yes. not complicated chat i'm gonna pull oh, up some 100%. pictures if you don't want to see them i'm gonna give you a couple seconds to click away but i just looked up pictures so you guys could have a visual of what we're talking about right now but this is still going on and i don't know if there's something that uh i don't know we're we'll we'll talk about it more. i know there's been a petition to cancel it and it's not I think it also goes on in like Louisiana, a few other Southern states, unfortunately. It's just, it's really crazy um, how much of a cultural difference there is between like more farm life and suburban life. Because where I live in San Diego, where my family lives, we have a lot of rattlesnakes on our trail. And a lot of my neighbors have come to me and asked like, what do we do about them? And I'm like, well, there's been a huge housing development in this canyon where all these animals lived. They overwintered there and then the houses were built. And when they wake up, where are they supposed to go? So if you, I'm like, there's nothing that can be done besides there's a, there's a little like parcel of land slash preserve that is near my housing community. So I know they probably are all moving there, but in more dense, they're a bit more of a dense population than they would probably prefer. But um, the thing is, is my neighbors are interested in educating themselves about it. And and they ask me questions and they ultimately say, we just stay away. We just stay away. We don't like believe in killing the animal. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know in more farm country, it's, you know, you got to kill the animal. Mm -hmm. And um, even my stepdad owns a big piece of property. And he said, if he sees a rattlesnake, he's going to shoot it. And it's just such a strange, like you know twist of respect for the wildlife um just even from a small little demographic change but 
I really think if just hire someone to relocate the animal, it's less time costly and it's less abusive um, to these creatures. But instead, these people will like light a fire to get them out of their burrows and then they Mm -hmm. catch all the animals and then they continue to torture them. And it's just like it's not humane. No one would be okay with that being done to a dog or a cat. So why should it be done to a snake? That was one of my first thoughts I had. I was like, imagine any other species in this situation besides maybe like spiders like <laughs> of yeah. some, like the way that people would react we had a spider yeah oh, and we, we addressed some of this stuff as well yeah it's there are mm-hmm. so many species that just like get the short end of the stick that sucks oh for sure that was it's not really at all sad. me saying that it would be okay with spiders i realized i maybe should have phrased that better i was saying that people you get what i'm saying okay um yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> perfect so we would have a little bit of a tangent there talking about snakes um, but we are we are coming to our time to end here. So is there anything else that okay. you want to mention or you want to talk about before we close up? We're at eight hundred and seventeen dollars and twenty six cents. Thank you guys wow. for your donation. You guys are awesome. Um, I guess it's for me just educate yourselves on reptiles in general. I'm not gonna like just focus on alligators right now with mm-hmm. this end piece, but just kind of allow yourself to be desensitized to them. They deserve love too. I think if even just like sharing this podcast right here, like girls like snakes also. I go out looking for snakes yeah. for fun all the time. Um, and like, I mean, I work with these giant apex predators, alligators, like anyone could be interested in these animals and anyone can be involved in a position which they can, can help them. And so if you're interested in it, feel free to reach out on me on Twitter. I know my messages are open. It's literally my name at Laura Kojima. Um, and if you want to know, yes, <laughs> if you want to like get involved with wildlife, like just let me know. I can definitely try to help guide you. I'm sure Maya has resources too to help get you guys involved. But just learn to appreciate all living things. That's the one thing I've learned too. Yeah, especially Thank with you. spiders. <laughs> Thank you for that message. Yeah, another one of the reasons why I reached out to you is you have in your bio Latina and STEM and Black Lives Matter. Um, we've had a yes. few. Pat, thank you for another five dollars. Um, we've had a few guests over the past month or so that have been that have been preaching this message of uh, biology and nature and natural sciences. They're for everyone. Yes. Um. So thank you for thank you for mentioning that. I appreciate it. Oh yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think you know biology can totally be super inclusive. I'm very fortunate in that I have never experienced any type of discrimination or have never felt any lack of opportunity based of like the person my background and um for being a woman being latina and i think um i'm i can't speak for a lot of people who are in a similar position as me uh i i've gotten really lucky with the resources that have helped to bring me to where i am and i'm very fortunate to those people for you know just constantly pushing me to get to where um i am today yeah. but make biology inclusive we definitely need more diversity i think it would be great to see all sorts of people in the field for sure yeah for all of you guys if you were here the whole time you're already on your way (laughs) so thank you thank you for listening i appreciate it um and thank you so much for your time for coming on that was a really cool conversation thank you for having me this was so much fun of course of course we're at 822 dollars and 26 cents i will message you the final amount after i do the outro and all that boom with ten dollars so 832 um but yeah i'll message you with the final out i'll send you some of the analytics cool. so you can see uh the reach and yeah so i'll be in touch with you soon 
Perfect. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you, Laura. Nice thank to you, meet you, Maya. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Nice, dude. All right. I'm on my way. True, Enzo. You are. Good podcast. $832.26. So good. Um, That was crazy educational today. That was a good one, wasn't it? She did amazing. She was she was great. Um, and yeah, so that, that Sweetwater Roundup thing, I know that kind of came out of nowhere, and I know it was a lot of information, uh, like a lot to take in. I just learned about it. Um, so I'm going to do a little more research and maybe see if there's something we can do, if there's petitions that I can, um, that I can use my platforms to, to spread. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about it as a stream. Conch, thank you for $22.63. But yeah, those pictures that I saw, did you guys see the handprints? Isn't that sick and crazy that that's a thing that is still happening? How? I mean, it blows my mind. I can't believe it's like a horror movie. It's crazy, man. Crazy. Okay. Anyway. um, Super disturbing, yeah. But the podcast itself was wonderful. Hobbit said... Really enjoyed the guest with the $5. Thank you, Hobbit. I did too. That was really nice. Um, again, I know that on the conservation podcast, sometimes I think about whether or not to have guests on if the species that they study is not of conservation concern necessarily. Raphael with $10. Thank you so much. Um, but there are some, I feel like we need to bring in some optimism sometimes. And I think that the story behind alligators and their conservation is really good for us to learn about too, just so that we can be reminded that that the work that we do in listening and donating and, you know, spreading awareness for, for the causes that we talk about, uh, there is good that can come out of them. So I think that that was important. She was wonderful today. Um, thank you guys for watching today. We have a quiz to do. And Chuck already wrote all the questions. Thank you, Chuck. That's so... It... It takes such a load off my shoulders to not have to worry about, like, reading your guys' questions and writing quiz questions and, like, looking up things and talking to the guests. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so I need to set up the quiz. It'll take me a couple minutes. Um, so let me get that loaded up so I can do it quickly. Hold on. Okay. The way the quiz works, there's five questions, there's 20 seconds per question. The way that you win the quiz is by getting the most answers right, um, the fastest. How do you do the quiz? Here. So you can grant access on your PC or on mobile. You, you can enable access. You need to click the image that Viz just linked in chat um, about, about uh, managing access you have to click allow access to win the quiz otherwise you'll show up as contestant number blank and then you can't win if you do win if you're not a sub to my channel i will gift you a sub to my channel if you are already a sub to my channel then i will gift you a sub to a channel of your choice any channel on twitch or you can ask me to donate an additional five dollars to uh park today um so i think that's the gist the quiz is based on um what my, my conversation with Laura today. So, yeah, again, thank you so much, Chuck, for writing the questions. Here is the quiz screen. Uh, give me, like, two minutes to set up the quiz. I will be back in hopefully that amount of time, maybe three.
All right, who's ready? Here we go. Okay. Quiz is created. Five questions, 20 seconds a question. Make sure you click manage access so that you can win. Here we go. Start quiz. It's sending the quiz to you guys. Oh gosh. Here we go. Start game. Now it's sending the quiz, okay. What is believed to be the major cause of the near extinction of alligators? Was it climate change? Was it microplastics? Was it poaching? Or was it lack of food for alligators? Neon said easy. Cine said, well, Loco said easy, 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 easy. The correct answer is poaching. Um, we got a few misclicks, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, poaching for alligator products, alligator purses, alligator boots, um, alligator meat. 125 of you got that correct, but who got it correct the fastest? Let's find out. Show scores. Messy. Messy with a perfect score. Yeesh. All right. Riz in second, devoted in third. Next question. This one's kind of tough. <laughs> when was the Environmental Species Protection Act passed? Was it 2010, 1967, 1900, or 1880? Got a lot of easies. I would be really surprised if you actually all got that because I'm not even sure that I would remember that. Low-fat soup with the $10? I also love amphibians and reptiles. Thank you so much. Nineteen sixty-seven is the correct answer. Two hundred and eleven of you got that right. Sheesh. How many of you guessed? How did Aki? Okay, Aki is in the won that question. LX is in the lead, though. All right. Next question. Question number three out of five. Here we go. How long ago did croc crocodilians finish evolving? Was it 200 million years ago? Was it yesterday? Was it five million years ago? Or was it 80 million years ago? This is kind of a tricky question. You have to read it carefully. Yesterday is not the correct answer. I'm sorry to all of you that clicked yesterday. Believing in evolution, Omega. You're on the wrong podcast, pal. 80 million years ago. 178 of you got that correct. Well done. I'm Brixton. Thank you so much for the two months. Well done. Who got it right the fastest? Please, no, bull, yo. Then Kelpie, then Pat, 
LX is still in the lead. Squid is somehow in second. I don't know how he does it. Sinny's in third. Next question. What's the role of alligators in their environment? Is it that they're pollinators? Do they eat plants? Do they look scary? Or are they apex predators? Lots of easies. Oh! I'm Dottie with $40. Thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. Um, and Devoted with $20.12. Thank you so much. An extra cent smile. Okay, dude. The correct answer is that they're apex predators. They're at the top of the food chain. Um, 298 of you got that right. That one was kind of easy. Well done. Show scores. Again. Amazing. Contestant number 640. Please in the lead. Contestant number 644 in second. Protech in third. Total scores, though. LX is still at the top, then Squid. Amazing. Last question. Can somebody pull ahead of LX? Let's find out. How can you easily tell apart crocodiles and alligators? Can you tell them apart by their color, the, their number of toes, the shape of their snout or their mouth, um, or their eye shape? I'm so stressed out. I'm sorry. It's not that serious. Don't worry about it. It's just a quiz. It's not, you don't lose anything if you don't win. Don't be stressed. <laughs> okay, sense is, is stress. It's probably lagging. Brown guy with $10.34. Thank you so much for the donation. Bernie! Forever with $59.99. Bernie, thank you so much. The correct answer is the shape of the mouth. All right, let's see. Oh, we hit over our one, oh, we hit our 1K. $1,010, big. Shape of mouth is the correct answer. Alligators have more of a U shape. The crocodiles have more of a V shape. If you look at it from a bird's eye view. Also, I guess from the front, you probably know. Um, the final results, squid, how? Squid's actually cheating. He's cheating. He's cheating. <laughs> All right, LX in second, Cinny in third. All right, Squid, what do you want? Donate five. Locke, could you, if Locke is here, could you add another $5 to that goal? So we'll be at uh, $1,015.34. That's sick. Um, for, for Park today. Um, if you're just getting here because I see that there are people that are new, um, Park is an inclusive partnership dedicated to the conservation of reptiles and amphibians. They're the most comprehensive conservation effort for amphibians and recti reptiles. Uh, they're a really, really great resource. It's free membership, um, which is really cool. They do a lot of good work uh, to be advocates for our scaly friends, um, for our amphibian reptile friends. So, do you do these podcasts every Friday? Yes, I do. Um, podcast every Friday, Conservation Cast every Friday, conservationcast.com if you want more information about it. Um, and it's fantastic every week. It's the highlight of my week. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. We do such cool stuff here, guys. It, it 
makes me so happy. Twitch. Twitch is an untapped reservoir for doing good. We show that every week, time and time and time and time again. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I appreciate you guys being here. I'm going to start saying this every podcast. Dottie with 10 gifted subs. Thank you so much. I'm going to start saying it every podcast. To those of you who donate regularly, thank you so much. Your generosity does not go unnoticed. Uh, it, you carry the dono goal every week, and it means everything. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you don't have the means to donate, or if you don't want to donate, um, it means a lot that you're here at all. If you heard the conversation today about how we just need to educate people and educate ourselves about reptiles to help them. Like that's the most, and that's the best that we can do as individuals. You guys being here, uh, there's a ripple effect to that. And it means a lot. Beetle, thank you for the five and thank you for the donation today. Um, so if you're learning something, it's just as good. Exactly. You being here is, is huge and it, it means the world to me. Um, if you're one of my normal viewers, I know that not all of my normal viewers watch this podcast, but if you are one of them and you do watch the podcast, uh, it, means it means everything i you know how important this is to me so thank you for being here every week if you are okay um let's see who's live am i missing anything i don't think i am let's see who's courtney that's okay we talked about gators and we talked about snakes and and stuff like that um Blex is live. But I don't know. Blex said I had an ego. So if I host him, if I give him a big host, he might think that I'm trying to ego him or something. Um, I'll host. Is it? Okay. I know I ask this every single time. Is it Yabe or is it Yabi? Is it Yabi or is it different? Yabi? Yabi. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rate her because I don't often. Um, I'm not sure if I have before. So we're rating her today. Um, no, the other way. It's Yabe. Yabe. Which one is it? Yabe. Yabe. Okay. I'm hosting her. All right. Um, thank you guys so much for being here for the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, next week's podcast is going to be a little different. Oh, I'll tell you about it next week. Um, I am looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow for the release stream. I'm going to the center right now to get, um, one more live mouse to do one more live prey test on dip, but, uh, they're both good to go. It's just for my sanity to do another live prey test on the, on the broad wings, but they're good to go. Um, so I'm going to do the release stream with them tomorrow. I'm going to scout a new release spot today. Uh, if it's not there, then I'll go to release spots that I've been to before. Um, but that's tomorrow. I'm super excited. I hope you guys are excited too. Uh, so I'll say in discord when the stream's going to be, I'll also put it on my Twitter and not probably just on my Twitter. Uh, so you can do command socials. My Twitter is myhiga6. Uh, you can add my Discord to my panels, or join my Discord to my panels. But I'll let you know what time it is tomorrow. Uh, it'll be not, it'll be in the morning, but probably late morning. Oh, I didn't do the outro! Oh, I fucked up. I messed up. Bye.